What is going on, everybody? It was another awesome weekend of college football, as it always is. Some upsets. Got to see that new overtime rule in action in a very interesting way. And, of course, the rankings come out, and it's got me in a pickle. Let's let's just get into it. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man. I think Notre Dame got it on Put it on the board for Bama. Country, post free. And Lewis got it on the defenseman. Lewis is going to score. It's picked off. Breaks free. They won't catch him, I don't believe. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! He's going for the corner. He's got it. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis. It's caught. It's caught. It's caught. Oh, is that a good game or what? What is going on, everybody? Let's Talk College Football Podcast. It's Michael Kirkring here, as usual. Well, I woke up on Saturday, and I just knew. It was one of those Saturdays where there wasn't any big-time sexy matchups. Actually, if I recall, were there was there a single game of two ranked teams playing each other? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, maybe... Anyway, there might have been one at noon. I'm, I'm forgetting some of the <laughs> rankings now that I've just been looking at the new ones. But when those weeks happen and you have a bunch of conference games, weird things happen. And I knew there would be at least one interesting upset yesterday. For a while, it looked like a bunch were brewing, right? That, that 12 o'clock slot, midway through it, Kansas is up 10 to nothing at halftime on Oklahoma. Penn State's not handling Illinois very well, right? And then later in the day, I knew Iowa State was going to get someone this year, right? That that one you almost could see coming. It felt right. Later in the night, NC State, Miami, right? That Those ACC games, always a little crazy. So I knew something was going to happen. I will say I'm a little bummed about Penn State because they were kind of my pick for the Big Ten this year. I really believed in them, that defense, but that offense, my God. like I don't even know if Clifford should have been playing in this game if he was over his injury. And honestly, the way he played, I know the backup's pretty bad, but um, he couldn't have been much worse than Clifford was in this game. I mean, just lethargic. This offense by Penn State was lethargic. And it's a real bummer because with the Ohio State game around the corner— that's, that's one of my favorite Big Ten matchups, you know, when Ohio State and Penn State are playing, ranked, all good. And, and Penn State's still ranked. They fell to 20th. But, you know, we were going to get the two top 10 matchups uh, in the Big Ten East in the same day, right? Michigan State and Michigan, they did their parts. Michigan held on and won. It was kind of close for a second, but they beat Northwestern. And Michigan State, I think they had the bye, so they're fine. So that's a top 10 game. Ohio State-Penn State should be a top 10 game, but it's not. Both games still in prime time. Uh, ESPN, ABC, they've got the Ohio State-Penn State game. I think that's going to be, you know, the 8 o'clock game. And Fox, big noon Saturday, I'm pretty sure is taking Michigan State and Michigan, which I'm really looking forward to, by the way. Really trying to see if one of those teams is legit. I will say there's this weird part about the fact that Penn State lost that I'm not going to say something dumb that it, it gives them 
more of a chance to beat Ohio State. But there's a weird part of that that makes it interesting because, okay, I think a lot of people were starting to come around to the fact that Ohio State was looking like the best team in the Big Ten, and I think a lot of people would have picked them to beat Penn State, you know, even if they beat Illinois by 25 points. But now that they've lost, it does create that scenario where is Ohio State going to not think that they're as good? Is Penn State have some sort of a wake-up call and they're just really pissed and they game plan really hard? You, you know, anything can happen. Um, I don't. I don't have a script for today. Sorry, I'm just. I'm just going off. A lot of things happen this weekend. Um, real quick, I do want to say that if you aren't following the Instagram page that I created. It's just called College Football Classics. It's got nothing really to do with the show. I'm going to you know, link the show in there. I might promote it on the story every now and then. But it's simply just a page where I post highlights of old college football games. And I keep them relative to the week of matchups that are currently about to take place. So this week is a huge week for this Instagram account because we've got Ohio State, Penn State coming up. There's been a lot of great games between them in the past and, and highlights. Michigan, Michigan State, another one. Florida, Georgia's coming up. A lot of games there. Florida State, Clemson, a lot of big ones there. And Wisconsin, Iowa, right? There's even some other throwbacks, right? Ole Miss and Auburn play this week. They've got some good ones. We'll be throwing the 2014 game up soon. So go follow that Instagram page. Show love. We're also posting reels. Literally just posted a reel about... 20 minutes ago, it's of David Pollock getting an interception in the 2002 Florida-Georgia game, and we're already got 7,000 views on that in like 20 minutes, so that's cool. The Instagram page is growing, and I'm telling you, if you guys love old college football games and love reliving moments, you're going to love that page, so go follow it. DM me on there. That's another great way to reach out to me. I'm always on the page managing it. You can also email the show, Let's Talk College Football at gmail.com. So anyway, let's get back to last week, Penn State, Illinois. Like I said, it was an upset, right? Illinois has not been that good this year. Obviously, they're getting better. Penn State, once again, on, on defense, they're great. I love the Penn State defense. Love it. I think it's right up there. You know, I think Georgia's is a little better, but I think it's right up there in that Iowa category. They're very talented. Love the players. They, they play so hard. They're, it's an aggressive defense. And... Unfortunately, this offense just isn't doing anything special this year, which is really sad because Penn State has players. I mean, they're number one in recruiting right now going into next year. They currently have the number one or two class, and they've always had a good top 10 class under Franklin. They're always signing a boatload of four stars, not getting a ton of fives, but when you load your roster with four-star players, like you are going to be a real solid football team. Notre Dame does the same. That's why they're always pretty solid with Brian Kelly. And yeah, they haven't quite been able to take that leap over Ohio State since that 2016 season. Um, but of course, Ohio State still made the playoff that year. So how big was the leap? Really interesting. And, you know, I was really looking forward to that big Ohio State-Penn State game this year. And we're still going to get it, I think. I actually think Penn State will play well. Don't know if they can win. And there's two reasons for that. One, like I said, there's this interesting scenario where because Penn State lost... Is Ohio State going to take a little bit of the intensity off? Not likely. The other thing I'm concerned about is Ohio State has somehow these last few weeks, this last month, been anointed as the next best team. They're back. They're ranked ahead of Oregon who beat them with the same record. And I don't know if Ohio State's fixed their problems. Now, if Penn State's offense 
continues to be this bad, they won't be able to take advantage of Ohio State's problems because all of Ohio State's problems have been on defense. But again, look at the Oregon game. Oregon kind of ran the ball in Ohio State, called their plays. Anthony Brown, the quarterback for Oregon, I'll get into him in a little bit. I don't have a lot of faith in him, but he didn't have to do anything to beat Ohio State. They just ran the ball in Ohio State. Ohio State had problems in defense. It was too basic. Now, Ryan Day has fixed that. New coordinator. They do look a little different, but they haven't played anybody since Oregon. I mean, literally anybody. Now, they're doing what they should be doing. They're blowing these teams out. They're embarrassing these teams. CJ Stroud, you know, the young guy, he's continuing to get better and better. Probably the most talented receiving core in the country. A slate of good running backs, offensive line playing well. So, yeah, Ohio State's really good. But this is going to be a challenging game. It, it, if they are the best team, second best team in the country, right behind Georgia, better than Bama, some people think, right? Then this is a game where they really need to go out and prove it. They need to go beat Penn State by two touchdowns, if that's the case, and, and score a lot of points. Can that defense improve? I mean, Penn State doesn't have a flashy offense. So if they're able to move the ball well in Ohio State, Ohio State still has problems. Because the Penn State offense does has problem, have problems. So really interesting matchup. Keeping it real quick in that Penn State-Illinois game, the main takeaway was the new overtime. I, I don't know how I feel about it. Entertainment-wise, love it. Very crazy and interesting to see two-point conversions back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> and in this game, all the failures, right? People just weren't punching it in. But at the same time, I don't know if I like that way to decide a game because it's not really football, you know? I think the original college overtime was perfect. You get the ball to 25, you have to make a first down to get first and goal, and then you have to score a touchdown in four downs. If not, get a field goal and then go play defense on the other side and try to hope either you stop them completely and win or they, or they can match what you did. But you get a, a drive, you get a series, a short series of football to get it done. These two-point conversion plays, it's kind of, you know, a two-point conversion, they say it's like a 50-50 shot each time. So as entertaining as it was, I don't know. I mean, imagine if we saw that in a conference championship game with the playoff on the line or a big primetime matchup, right? Or a playoff game, a national title game. Are you, I mean, I don't know. Do you, It would be really hard to lose a national title game or a big, big game for your team if that's how you lost, right? You just didn't score as many two-point conversions in this weird shootout thing. But at the same time, this is the system right now. This is the overtime. It was entertaining. Um, and it's crazy because the whole reason for having this rule was to not have overtimes go so long. But <laughs> we got nine overtimes. I, I think that's a new record. I think seven was the old record. Obviously, I would say that record still stands because the way the new overtime works, it can happen so much quicker. But seven overtimes, there was like this game in 2002 or some early 2000s year. I think Kentucky might have been involved or Western Kentucky, somebody that went to like seven overtimes. And then we had the LSU Texas A&M game from 2018 that went to seven overtimes. That was like absolutely insane. So that was obviously really high scoring. It was also amazing how low scoring this was. One, because you only get two points for the conversions, but it was like what? 13-13 going into overtime, and it looks like, you see the overtimes, it looks like a baseball score. All the zeros, and then three, the twos, like, it just crazy. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, don't have a crazy strong opinion about the new overtime rule, but I definitely think that one was a little interesting, for sure. And boy, did we have some really fun conference shakeups. And 
I'm, I'm going to tie this into the playoff and talk about how it was almost sad. I realized in the Miami game, the Miami-NC State game, that I was like, dang, it's really sad that I'm watching the game this way. And the same thing could be said about Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Both great games. Teams played well. And in the Oklahoma State game, I found myself being annoyed. Like, no, Oklahoma State, come on, pull this off. Stay undefeated. Stay in the top 10. Challenge Oklahoma for the conference. And in the NC State game, same thing. I was like, come on, NC State. Like, be one of the teams that keeps the ACC alive. Like, I don't want to hear all this garbage about how the ACC is terrible and blah, blah, blah. No playoff contenders. And the only reason I'm looking at it that way is because of the playoff structure, right? The four teams that get in, it's all about how your conference is doing and everything. And I just really hate that it's gone that way. And it's the one thing I'm looking forward to with playoff expansion, whether that's eight teams, whether that's 12 teams, where we get automatic qualifiers for winning the conference. Because in that case, who cares, right? Go back to Oklahoma, Iowa State. They're both completely alive for the playoff because they're both completely alive for the conference. We should enjoy these conference races. The Pac-12 would be a super fun conference to talk about this year. Oh, who's going to win it? Who's going to get in the playoff from this crazy Pac-12, the crazy ACC? But because everything's looked through this four-team playoff lens under the current structure, it's like, oh, well, the ACC doesn't have any teams left we think can make the playoff, which isn't true, by the way. Like There are two teams that hypothetically could make it if they went out. But you're, you don't think that's going to happen, right? So so you just write off the ACC completely and all of those teams. And it's 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 annoying because in previous years with the BCS, like I feel like we were paying more attention to these conference races because we wanted to know who was going to the Orange Bowl, who was going to the Rose Bowl. That was almost as big of a deal as who was going to make the BCS National Championship game because the BCS game with only taking two teams – and you have, it is nothing related to conferences, really. It's just who are the two last remaining undefeated teams or one loss and then tiebreakers with some resume stuff. And it was all about the other big bowl games. It was so exclusive, the championship game, that it was different. Where, as I've talked about many times, ever now that the four-team playoff is in, the way it's marketed, who's in, who's in, how many times do you see that phrase on ESPN, who's in, who's in? And they only talk about the college football playoff on every ESPN show even a lot of the other shows, a lot of things, hell, hell, I'm guilty of it too. I do it a lot too. Who's alive for the playoff? That's all anyone cares about. And it has taken away so much from these conference races. Even teams that are alive for the playoff don't get talked about. This year, no one has talked about Oklahoma State, even though they were undefeated until Saturday. Wake Forest is currently undefeated. Pitt has the one loss. They're alive. Oregon sort of gets talked about as this last reckoning hope for the Pac-12, but there's good teams that have playoff hopes that don't get talked about. Even other group of five schools like SMU. People are talking about SMU ruining Cincinnati's hopes. Well, if Cincinnati was just going to run the table and go make the playoff, well, SMU is still undefeated. Why couldn't they just take their place, hypothetically speaking? Maybe their resume wouldn't be as good. They don't have that Notre Dame win. I get it. But it's like we only talk about who we think is going to end up being there. And, and that's a fine conversation, too. You want to talk about Ohio State rallying from their loss, getting back in? That's fine. But there's two other undefeated teams in the Big Ten. 
No one's talking about Michigan in the playoff. And if they do, it's kind of like, ah, eh, fringe, maybe. And I get that. Like, you're saying, hey, look, I'm, I think Ohio State ends up beating Michigan and it's all going to be normal. But Michigan is undefeated, absolutely alive. So is Michigan State. Ohio State's out there with one loss. Iowa's got one loss. All of those teams basically control their own destiny for the playoff. You go win the Big Ten Championship with one loss or less, you're in. You are in the playoff, right? So ACC, NC State until Saturday was a one-loss team ranked in, in a Power 5 conference. You go 12-1 and one in the ACC, Clemson and Florida State have proven it, you're going to the college football playoff. Nine times out of 10. It's not a guarantee, right? There's five conferences plus Notre Dame, so anything can happen. If enough teams keep losing, Notre Dame might get back in the conversation if they were on the table with just the one loss. So it's super interesting. And the ACC right now has Wake Forest undefeated and Pitt. Pitt is really good. Such a weird loss, right? The Western Michigan loss. If they just could have, you know, pulled that out, we'd really be talking about them. They'd be top 10 right now. But either way, even if a conference is out of the playoff, like it's division one college football. These are good players. These are good teams and good coaches. Like it's, it's super fun to watch and see who's going to win. No one from the Pac-12 South is going to make the college football playoff outside of the most crazy miracle that's ever happened in sports. But I'm still really interested to see if Arizona State or UCLA is going to win that division and go to the Pac-12 championship game with a Rose Bowl shot on the line, right? If I'm UCLA, I want to go to a Rose Bowl this year. If I'm Arizona State, I want to go to a Rose Bowl. I want to go to, New Year, go to a New Year's Six game. If I'm Oregon, I want to go to the college football playoff, of course, maybe play for a national championship. But even if I can't do that, I want that New Year's Six game. There's like two programs, maybe three, give or take, that can actually have the expectation of like it's college football playoff or bust, right? May Alabama, based on what they've done, as long as Nick Saban is there, they're always going to be a playoff or bust type of year. Really, for them, it's a national championship or bust kind of year. They're literally in that category. Every year, it's win the title or it's kind of a bust. They live in a world of their own, right? And one day that'll change. Then it's like Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma are, can kind of be like playoff or bust type of years. And maybe that changes for Clemson now that they didn't, they're not going to make the playoff this year, already have three losses. Maybe have another loss or two on the way this year. We don't know, right? Even Florida State coming up, it's like, is Clemson going to beat them? I don't think they're going to blow them out. They're probably favored, but I mean, Clemson's got problems this year, so... Who knows going forward what their expectations are, but they're kind of like a, you know, a playoff or bust team, Ohio State, and then Oklahoma, right? But none of those teams are like Bama, championship or bust, because, I mean, Ohio State's won two national titles the last 20 years. They won one in 2002, and they won one in 2014. That's it. They've played for a handful of other ones in that time period, yes, but that's all they've won. Oklahoma hasn't won a national championship since 2000. Okay, it's literally been 21 years. Now they've, just like Ohio State, they played for championships in 2003, 2004, 2008, made the college football playoff in 15, right? And uh, 17, 18, 19, but they still, none of them can say they're Alabama, right? And then for all the rest of the teams, yeah, you really want to make a college football playoff, but if you don't, you want to play in a big game and that's the thing is the playoff has skewed those other big games and those games just don't mean as much to fans, coaches, and especially players. Think of all the players that sit out those bowl games. So that's one thing that 
has led me to inevitably become an expansion guy. I was never a college football playoff expansion guy. I didn't even want to go to four. I liked the BCS system for college football. Now that we're at four, I was okay with in the beginning. And just based on how it's been going and mostly what it's done to the other bowl games, I mean, I can live with the a lot of the same teams are going all the time. I mean, if those are the best programs, college football's like that. You know, it goes in waves. For this set of five to ten years, this team's always winning it, and, and that's fine. I mean, it's annoying. I'd love to see more parity, and I'd love to see, you know, more teams going in and out of the college football playoff and winning the championship, but for sure... But the main thing that's ruined it for me is what it's done to the other bowl games because the New Year's Six has had a lot of teams coming in and out of it. And that should matter to most teams. But a lot of teams, it doesn't because, oh, we didn't make college football playoff. Well, okay. And then when all the good players are sitting out of those bowl games, that does take away from them. Sorry. When Kyle Pitts doesn't play in the Florida-Oklahoma game last year, that takes away from it a little bit. No excuse for Florida, by the way. Like, you don't have... Losing that, what you can't do is be like, oh, it doesn't matter that we lost because it wasn't... We wanted to go to the playoff. We didn't even want to be here. Like, I think that's crap when Dan Mullen says that or any teams that have said that in the playoff era, right? Even Saban has used that excuse, you know, his team losing New Year's Six games a couple times, most notably 2008, when they don't make the national championship game because they lose to Florida in the SEC title game. Then they let Utah kind of whoop them in the Sugar Bowl. And then in 2013... When the Auburn kick six happens, two-time defending champions, they go to the Sugar Bowl, and Oklahoma beats them, right? And Bob Stoops was a guy that always hated that SEC bias talk, and Oklahoma went into that game. And Alabama played well too, but Oklahoma got them. And sometimes you hear that, oh, well, that's only because we didn't make the title game. So, which it just it's such a lame excuse. So because you didn't make the title game, you're going to go lose a game that isn't as big as that game and then claim that you should have been the title. Like, it's just, it's dumb. It's absolutely dumb. But... Anyway, I love these conference races. I know you college football nerds like me, playoff or not, doesn't matter who's alive. You want to pay attention to these conference championship races. That's what I want. So I think playoff expansion at this point is the best option because now everyone pays attention to these matches. I think from a recruiting perspective, it's going to create more parity because now you're not thinking like, oh, I have to go to Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State to make a college football playoff, the same four teams, you're thinking, hey, I could go to this team and make college football playoff, right? A lot easier. And then once teams start making the college football playoff, somebody's going to win it who wasn't supposed to, right? The very first year of the four-team format, the four-seed won it. The three-seed played for it too. Well, I guess Oregon was a two-seed, but in the BCS system, the championship game wouldn't have had Oregon or Ohio State. And we got both a totally different championship matchup because of the four-team format. So once we start going to 8-12, you're going to see things happen. I don't care how good you are. You're one of the best Alabama teams, best Ohio State teams, or Georgia teams. You go into a format where you have to go win three games in a row against big-time ranked teams from different conferences. That's tough. College football was always about having a regular season, and then you had a month to prepare for whoever you were playing in a bowl game. The four-team format changed that a little bit. Of that a little bit because you know SEC teams did benefit and like big time coaches like Saban right and Urban Meyer they benefited from I got a month to prepare for you oh you're coming in here without okay I'm going to game plan this where you still get that in the first round and then all of a sudden a week later you're playing a national championship game so we go to a 18 12 team format you know maybe some teams have bye weeks maybe some don't but it 
That's just going to be better. And then all these conference races matter. Anyone who's alive in their division is alive for their conference, which means they're alive for the playoff. And that's going to be fun going forward. Maybe in a couple of years we get that. We'll see. You know, Playoff expansion was a huge talk of the offseason, and we'll get back to that. But I just wanted to harp on that because, you know, that Oklahoma State-Iowa State game was an awesome game. Both teams played really good. That was high-level football. But I found myself, you know, not wanting Iowa State to pull it off because I kind of wanted, I don't know, the fictional, like, Oklahoma State maybe is still undefeated, and now you got two Big 12 teams that are big-time alive for the playoff. And I guess you still do, right? I think Baylor, if I'm not mistaken, only has—no, they have two now, but— Oklahoma State only has one loss. Hypothetically, they're alive, although most people don't believe they can beat Oklahoma twice because that's what it would take in the Big 12. But anyway, that, that was a really fun game. Back and forth. Terrible call in that game, by the way. That taunting penalty that took away an Iowa State touchdown, thank God they, they did score on the same drive a few plays later. But literally, deep pass, guys breaking open, and like on the five-yard line, he sort of— starts to high step and celebrate like a little bit and they literally call it a spot foul and instead of a touchdown which I think tied the game or would have given Iowa State the lead in that scenario they get the ball in the 25 ridiculous and Matt Campbell was pissed I'm watching on TV I was like what the heck is going on right I didn't even want Iowa State to win and I was so pissed about that and then the rules analyst guy came on TV and said he didn't understand the call either. Like that rule, I guess, is supposed to be for crazy, ridiculous, over-the-top taunting, which I think even that would be a dumb rule. But in this scenario, I mean, the guy did nothing. I mean, once he's, he kind of slowed down because he realized nobody was on him and, you know, celebrated, scored a touchdown. I mean, the fact that they took that off the board was just absolutely ridiculous and would have been way more controversial, by the way, if Iowa State one didn't score right again on that drive or if they ended up losing the game, right? I mean, I, I didn't see the press conferences after the game, but I hope Matt Campbell said something about that. Who cares about the fine, right? Like, that has to be addressed. And it seemed like most people that I've heard on podcasts or commentators since then have also been kind of dumbfounded by that. And nobody really knows why the ref threw that flag. I mean, not only is it a bad rule, right, like targeting, but in this case, it was legitimately a bad call. Doesn't even make sense. So... Yeah, um, let's see. Other other takeaways from games this weekend. I mean, you know, I touched on Penn State at Illinois, right? Oklahoma State, Iowa State. That was a big one to me that stood out. Um, Alabama, Tennessee. I'll use this to segue kind of into the rankings, right? Because rankings come out, and I really am still just confused, as I always am, because Alabama's number three in the new AP poll. Now, I don't know what the college football playoff rankings are going to do in a few weeks when they start assessing all this madness, but, I mean, again, I just don't understand. I understand Oklahoma didn't play that good against a Kansas team. They were number three, but I don't even think Bama should have been at four. And you can go listen to my show last week, but because I touched on all that. I mean, in my opinion, teams that by default need to be ranked over Alabama because, again— if teams lose and, every, and a lot of these teams play each other, everything's going to play out and Alabama wins out. Like, it's going to be fine. Like, they'll make the playoff. But as of right now, I don't understand why Alabama's three. They should be behind Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Michigan State. Above Ole Miss because they beat Ole Miss and maybe you could say they're better than Iowa. Right? That's the tiebreaker. But 
I mean, these undefeated Power 5 teams, they should be right there with them. I mean, Alabama lost a game. They lost. You have got to be punished for losing. And what's, what's Alabama's biggest win? Ole Miss? Okay, so they beat a team that's currently in the top 10. That's impressive. They blew them out, by the way. Yeah, I guess Michigan hasn't done that yet. Michigan State hasn't done that yet. And they are about to this week. So technically, I mean, if, if Michigan or Michigan State, the winner of that game this week, is going to have as good of a win as Alabama, why would they not go ahead of them? Also, Oregon's still behind Ohio State. Ohio State's playing good right now, but Oregon has the same record and beat Ohio State. Head-to-head has to matter. I don't care that Oregon had a worse loss on paper. They Oregon lost on the road. We've been over this without their offensive coordinator in overtime. It's not a good loss. I'm not trying to defend it. But they also went into Ohio State and won. So they still, on paper, have the best win of anybody who's currently ranked right now. Oregon, number seven, beat the team that's currently number five in their place and did it fairly dominantly. I mean, it was a close game, but they had control that whole game. So, and Oregon just beat UCLA, who has been ranked several times. You know, UCLA is a three-loss team now, but still a winning record, still probably one of the better teams in the Pac-12 South. Like, that was an impressive win. They did that on the road also. So they just, it just doesn't make sense to me, some these rankings, right? I, I'm, I'm fine with Cincinnati at two. Obviously, Georgia at one is fine. But I just don't understand why Alabama's three. And also, people are saying that Ohio State's maybe the second-best team. Well, if that is the case, put them at three. People are talking smack about Bama. You, I turn on podcast day and people are worried. Oh, Alabama didn't beat Tennessee by 80 points. So something might be wrong there. And I will admit, like, you can see a little bit of problems on, Al- on Alabama. But I don't think they're as bad as Ohio State. Like, right now, if Alabama and Ohio State are playing, I'm probably betting Alabama. But everyone's talking much higher of Ohio State than they're talking Alabama. So it's just a little bit confusing. I mean, whatever, Alabama and Oklahoma flip-flop, it's not so much I have a problem with that. I mean, I do. Oklahoma should be higher than them. They're 8-0. They didn't play good against Kansas. Okay. Well, Alabama hasn't played amazing against everyone, and they actually lost a game to a team they were supposed to beat, right? The only reason A&M is even ranked right now is because they got that win. A&M still had some ugly losses and ugly wins. Although AM did look pretty complete against South Carolina, but South Carolina is garbage. So anyway, it's it's still shaping up to be a really interesting season. I mean, you're looking at it in the SEC. On the East, you pretty much have Georgia by themselves. Kentucky's there at 6-1, number 12 in the country right now, but they don't have that head-to-head against Georgia. Georgia beat them, so Georgia would have to lose two conference games for Kentucky to get back in it. You really don't see that happening. So Georgia, at this point, I, I really got to say they're a lock for the East. There might be the division with the clearest lock so far, by the way. Right? They haven't lost a game yet. They're there. You go to the SEC West, I guess Alabama's still out in front, right? Because you got Alabama, Ole Miss, who's ranked number 10 nationally. Both have one loss. Alabama has head-to-head. And then you go down to Texas A&M. Texas A&M has two losses. Okay. They still need to play Ole Miss so they can get the head-to-head against Ole Miss. Ole Miss would fall to two losses. And Alabama just has to lose one more game, which is not impossible, right? Like, maybe Auburn gets them. Probably not LSU, but LSU does have players. Crazy things have happened. So A&M is alive. 
They don't control their own destiny, but they're alive. Ole Miss, same thing. They don't control their own destiny, but they're alive. The Ole Miss A&M game is going to be crazy. Auburn Ole Miss this week is crazy because technically, I guess, Auburn's still alive because they haven't played A&M or Ole Miss or Bama. One of their losses is uh, out of conference, so they're only one loss in the division. Like, it's SEC West shaping up to be awesome, and it's probably the best division in the best conference, so that makes a lot of sense. And then, of course, we've got the Big Ten East, which is super interesting. Is Ohio State just going to come out on top like they have a lot in the last decade or so? Or is Michigan finally ready to take that step? How good is Michigan State? I'm so excited for the Michigan-Michigan State game. Because, again, those teams are both undefeated. Whoever comes out of that is going to be 8-0. and And then you get into all sorts of weird scenarios. Well, maybe even if Ohio State does beat Michigan, if that's some top-five matchup and other a bunch of other teams lose, Ohio State has made the college football playoff as an 11-1 non-division champion. Could Michigan be sitting in that scenario? Could Michigan State? Is Penn State going to ruin the party for one of those schools now that they're probably out of it? with the two conference losses. But hey, if Penn State were to beat Ohio State, beat Michigan, beat Michigan State, and Ohio State lost again to one of those two schools, then Penn State's kind of right back in it. So Penn State's still alive for the conference, for the division. Big 10 is crazy. It's super interesting. And Big 12, again, super interesting to me because Oklahoma's sitting there. They're number four right now. 8-0. They did not look good against Kansas. I don't. You don't trust them. They don't look elite. Now, they do look like the most elite team in the Big 12, but you got Oklahoma State sitting there at 6-1. You got Baylor sitting there at 6-1. Those teams are good. I think Baylor plays Texas this week. That's going to be big. Texas is still a team that, yeah, playoff hopes done. Probably conference hopes are mostly done, but they could still be at Baylor. Like, that wouldn't surprise you if that happened. On paper, Baylor's still playing for a college football playoff. So it's all super, super interesting. I already talked about SMU and Cincinnati. SMU's 19th right now in the AP. They're 7-0. San Diego State's 7-0 too, by the way, right there at 21. That's crazy. Then you got Coastal still ranked UTSA. A game I'm really looking forward to this week, by the way, BYU-Virginia. Virginia is a cool and fun team. Armstrong, their quarterback, is a dude. I love watching him play. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall playing his old team. That's going to be really interesting. So I'm, re- I'm looking forward to that. Also, back to the Big 12, Iowa State, right? Still totally alive for the conference. They lost to Iowa, who's a good. That's a good loss. And who else did Iowa State lose to? I'm forgetting. It was, um, come on, Michael, think. It was Baylor, right? Yeah, Iowa State lost to Baylor. And, that's not, and I think that was by like two points. I think that was like 31-29 or something like that. So Iowa State has lost two very respectable games. Now they just got a respectable win. They got to play Texas still. They got to play Texas Tech, Oklahoma still. Their conference hopes are still alive. Like they, these conference races are so fun for me to pay attention to. Like I love it. I'm psyched. And I think going down the stretch here, we've got a chance to have some really exciting games upsets happen. Or maybe it's just going to be the same old teams, right? We could easily have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma in the college football playoff. But at least the way we're getting there is is a little spicy. Usually at this point in the season, you almost already know who's locked up. Oh, that team's going to run the table. This 
We have that, right? Clemson's already out of it completely. Ohio State or Bama, if one of them loses again, they're out of it. You know, I'm watching that Tennessee game, and Tennessee's playing Alabama close. It's 14-14, and you're kind of like, well, what would it be like if Alabama was out in, you know, mid to late October already? Basically, the only time they've been out-out that early was, I guess, 2010. 2019, yeah, they got the second loss to Auburn, but that's in the Iron Bowl. So that's like the end of November where they finally realized their playoff hopes are done. So that would just be, you know, kind of sort of unprecedented as of times, right? Ohio State loses again, they're going to be out. So some of the traditional powers, especially in the new playoff era, if they go down, that means new teams are making the college football playoff. And I think a lot of us want to see that, right? I'm not, I don't like rooting against particular programs, nothing against Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, but it's fun and interesting to see other teams step up and get a crack at the college football playoff, right? So anyway, I don't have too much more to go on to today. Definitely going to do another show later in this week because I really want to do a whole big episode focused on the matchups coming up, what they mean, what could potentially happen big picture wise, right? Going to analyze all that. Going to get into a lot of playoff and conference championship scenarios based on some of the outcomes that might happen this week and why these matchups are crazy and super important. Long-term ramifications, all that stuff. So anyway, yeah, a little bit of a shorter episode today. We're just under 40 minutes. Thanks to everyone for listening. Like I said, email me, letstalkcollegefootball at gmail.com. Follow that new Instagram page, College Football Classics. I'm still on Twitter, at Michael underscore K87. DM me on all those platforms. Love to talk to you guys, right? The show's called Let's Talk College Football. And again, we're, I'm reaching out to new people for the future, right? Again, like I keep saying, this eventually will go into a video show, or at least we'll have a video show on top of it. Want to have guests, want to start doing all that stuff. So the future's looking bright. It's been an awesome college football season so far, and let's hope it stays that way. A lot more exciting things to come. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you in a few days.